Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are the author of all creation and the King of glory. Thank you, Lord, for the good news of Jesus, for the forgiveness and salvation that we find in him. Lord, following Jesus is not easy. It brings hardship and suffering. But Lord, thank you that you vindicate us and you rescue us. Help us to cast all our anxiety on you and stand firm in faith like all those who have gone before us. We ask this in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, who doesn't love a great jailbreak story? <laughs> a few years ago, Sarah introduced me to a favorite of a movie of her family's, uh, The Shawshank Redemption. You remember this one from 1994? Uh, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Uh, I, I love the, the little title up above. You know, Fear can hold you prisoner. Hope can set you free. Uh, and I found recently that it's also fairly similar to an earlier movie that I haven't seen yet, uh, Escape from Alcatraz from 1974 with Clint Eastwood. Uh, in both of these, you know, the, the, the guy that escapes tunnels through a wall uh, to be able to get out from the prison. Well, in Acts, rather than digging through a wall, Peter walked right out of the gate this chapter in Acts is never read in the lectionary that many churches use. So in 20 years, as a pastor, I have never preached on this passage before. It's a fascinating story that begins and ends with horrible violence, but also has moments of comedy and triumph. Uh, King Herod, who was the third in a, seri a series of violent kings with that family name, laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He had the apostle James the Elder, this is a, a painting of him by Rembrandt, uh, he had him beheaded, you know, executed with the sword. Now this was James the son of John, and or James, the brother of John, and the son of Zebedee, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Not the other James, who was also one of the disciples, uh, who was Jesus' brother, and later on went on to become a leader in the Jerusalem church. He's the one who wrote the New Testament letter that bears the name James. Uh, this is a, a statue of him by, uh, in the Archbasilica in Rome. So Herod went on, after he had had James, the elder, uh, beheaded, he went on to throw Peter in prison and had him guarded by 16 soldiers. On the night before Peter would likely face the same fate as James, other Christians were fervently praying for him. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. There were sentries at the entrance. There's no way he was getting out. But then an angel came, and this is a, a famous painting by Antonio de Bellis, and told Peter to get up, and the chains fell off. He said, put on your belt and sandals, wrap your cloak around you. And 
Peter and the angel walked right past the guards, and the gate opened all by itself. Now, Peter thought he was seeing a vision. He'd seen a vision before. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the sheet that he saw coming down from heaven filled with animals. Uh, And, you know, it was a, a vision from God that he was not to call any anything unclean that God had made clean. So Peter thought again, oh, I must be in another trance. I was asleep, you know, now, now I'm dreaming. But suddenly when he was out in the street and the angel disappeared, he came to his senses and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, who we believe wrote the Gospel of Mark, where many people were gathered together and were praying. And Peter knocked at the door. There's Peter knocking at the door. And the servant girl named Rhoda came up, answered, looked out the door, saw it was him, and immediately ran back to tell all the other people. Uh, But she forgot to open the door. (laughs) So... She runs back, tells everybody, Peter's at the door, and they say, you're out of your mind. He's in prison. How can he be at the door? Now, it kind of reminds you of how the, same, the disciples didn't believe the women when they said they had seen angels at the tomb and Jesus himself alive. And she kept saying, no, no, it's Peter, it's Peter. Ah, it must be his angel, they said. What? (laughs) What do you mean it must be his angel? I mean, usually people are terrified when they see an angel. She didn't come back with her hair like this. (laughs) His angel? Apparently back then, it was a common belief that a guardian angel could imitate a person's appearance and voice. So that would explain it. Oh, okay, so it's not Peter, it's his angel. But meanwhile, here's Peter. Still knocking. (laughs) It's like this comic relief in the story. It makes you wonder if the other believers were asking God, praying fervently for him to deliver Peter from prison, Why were they so surprised when he showed up at the door? They finally opened the door and they're astonished. An angel had rescued Peter and the other apostles from jail before, back in Acts 5. But apparently they weren't expecting that he would be able to get out of the high security prison that he was in. Sixteen guards, chains, Two soldiers right by his side while he's sleeping. Others guarding the locked doors and an iron gate. Escape seemed impossible. They were praying for him, but doubting that any rescue would happen. But Jesus had said, what is impossible for people is possible for God. I wonder, where is God working right around us, but we don't recognize it? What unseen wonders are happening right under our noses if we just had the eyes to see them? 
Peter's rescue and probably inspired a lot more confidence and boldness in his friends' prayers. So how much more confidence and boldness do we need to have in our prayers? Peter went on to say, tell James and the other brothers what, what happened to me. And, and then he left for another place. He knew it was too hot for him to stay there in Jerusalem. And that kind of foreshadowed how James, the brother of Jesus, the other James, later became the primary leader of the church in Jerusalem. The letter that he wrote, James 1, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, he's not saying that if you don't have enough faith, your prayers won't be answered. He's saying that God wants us to trust him in everything. In what area of your life do you find it most difficult to trust God? What do you worry about the most? What your friends think of you? Conflict in your family? Worries about money or about your job? Well, it's not likely that you'll have as much trouble at your job as the guys who were in charge of guarding Peter. Herod questioned those guards and had them executed. But then, in a little part of the story that we didn't read this morning, Herod got what was coming to him. Herod, right after this, argued with some people who came to him asking him to distribute food. And when he was giving a speech, all dressed in his finery, and the sun was coming in and striking him and making him you know, kind of glow, uh, some of the people that were standing there said, Ah, oh, the voice of a god and not of a man. You know, back then their leaders were kind of, especially Caesar, lifted up as the son of God. And because Herod didn't give glory to God, didn't say, no, 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 you're, you're, you're wrong, an angel struck him, he was eaten by worms and died. Gah! Really horrible bookends to the story of Peter's rescue executions and a gruesome end of a violent, prideful king. But the whole Bible testifies that God topples the powerful and raises up the lowly. You can see that all the way through from the stories of the exodus from Egypt and the stories of the exile in Babylon ending as these nations and leaders that put themselves in God's place are brought low. God has the last laugh. Mary's song in Luke 1, when she and Elizabeth were celebrating their unexpected pregnancies, 
Mary said, The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. God frustrates the plans of those who exalt themselves over him and persecute his people. But if God rescues his people, how do we make sense of the fact that God saved Peter, brought him out from prison, but didn't rescue James from dying by the sword? Why was James beheaded but Peter led by an angel right out of prison? Maybe it wasn't Peter's time yet. Peter himself was eventually martyred for his faith, just like James. In fact, Jesus even told him that that would be the case. In John 21, Jesus told Peter, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, Follow me. Peter and the other apostles were often jailed and beaten, just like Jesus. After their jailbreak in Acts 5, they were flogged and then released. And it says they rejoiced that they were counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. They rejoiced when they were suffering? Peter explains a little bit about this in his letter that we heard Kelly read uh, part of today. He said, Dear friends, writing to Christians who'd been scattered because of persecution, he said, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name and continue to do good. Even Jesus wasn't spared suffering and death. It was part of God's larger plan. When we experience difficulties and persecution because we are following Jesus, we are participating in Christ's own sufferings. The world hated Jesus, and it hates his followers. There are all kinds of evil forces at work in the world. Fear of differences and false pride and pursuit of power leads to hatred, tribalism, racism, and nationalism. It leads to conflict and persecution, wars, and even genocide. We see it in the world all around us. 
But we don't need to give in to despair when we read the headlines, when we see the mess in our own communities and in our own lives and families. We need to live with a longer view of human history. We need to see life in light of eternity. We don't have to fear because God will ultimately defeat evil and bring his final true justice. Jesus teaches us to pray for our enemies like he did. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He teaches us to do good to our enemies, not to seek revenge that just spirals out of control. Instead, we are to stand firm in faith. Peter goes on in his letter saying, cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. Persecution scattered the church, but it also made it grow by planting seeds of faith everywhere they went. Despite their suffering, the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Next week, we're going to hear how Paul and Barnabas traveled and spread the word, which resulted both in people coming to faith and in more persecution and suffering on the part of the believers. But even that led to more people hearing the good news and being transformed. The good news of Jesus has reached your ears. Where will the Holy Spirit use you to carry it next? Peter closes that part of his letter by saying, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen.